And welcome back to another week of the Growing Patriot podcast. Remember a couple episodes ago when I said that we would be talking more about how religion and religious freedom played a part in America's founding? Well, this is the episode where we're going to dig into that. To get started, let's meet our special guest this week. Hi, my name is Brady Wolowski. I'm eight years old and I'm from Michigan. Awesome. So what are your questions for this week? What were the primary religions practiced by colonists in America? Oh, I like that one. Which colony had the most religious freedom? That's another good one. Why did people have to come to the colonies for religious freedom? Awesome. Thank you, Brady. You're welcome. And you guys know me. Before we get into that, we're going to go to the history first. So this week, we're going to talk about Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Delaware, and how they're different examples of how religious freedom could be found in the American colonies. Okay, Maryland came first, so we're going to talk about it first. You might remember that it was under King James I of England that Virginia was founded. Well, by 1632, when Maryland was founded, the King of England was King Charles I. His queen was Queen Henrietta Maria, and she was French. Now, the English version of Maria is Mary, so when they named Maryland, they named it after her, Mary's Land. Get it? Anyway, in 1632, Lord Baltimore got the charter from King Charles I to create the new colony, and it was all of the land from Massachusetts in the north to Virginia in the south. Settlers didn't actually go until 1634. There were 200 of them, led by Lord Baltimore's younger brother, and they went on two ships, one called the Ark and one called the Dove. The reason they went was to create a safe place for England's Catholics, because it was really difficult at the time to practice every religion openly. And even though it was the most Catholic colony in America, it was still only about 10% Catholic. By 1649, they made it official that Maryland was a place that had religious liberty for all Christians who believed in the Trinity. That means that there was a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. So that was most Christians. But then in 1688, there was a revolution in England... And because of that, Catholicism was actually outlawed in Maryland. So that means that Maryland was no longer a safe place for Catholics. And that was the whole reason Maryland was created. Catholics had to practice in secret. And it would be that way until after the Revolutionary War. But meanwhile, Maryland became a very prosperous colony, mainly growing tobacco. The next colony after Maryland was Delaware. Now, do you remember in the Jamestown episode when we talked about the three Thomases? Well, Thomas Delaware became the governor of Virginia, and explorers named a river after him, the Delaware River. And when a colony was settled on that river, it was also called Delaware. Now, originally, that land was Dutch, and then it became Swedish, and then it became Dutch again. Finally, in 1664, the Dutch were conquered by the English fleet, with James, the Duke of York, in charge. This was another colony that became prosperous growing tobacco. Now, we're going to move on to Pennsylvania already, and it seems like we're skipping over Delaware, 
but I promise we're not. You'll see why in a minute. So now we're in 1681, and the King of England is King Charles II, the son of King Charles I. Now, King Charles II owed a debt to William Penn's father, so he gave the land for the colony of Pennsylvania to William Penn to settle that debt, and he named it Pennsylvania, which means Penn's Woods, after William Penn's father. And Penn was actually kind of embarrassed by that name because he was afraid that people were going to think that he got the colony and named it after himself. He got there in 1682, and again, he wanted to make it a safe place for religion, but in this case, for Quakers. It quickly gained a reputation for religious freedom, so it attracted more than just Quakers. It brought in Huguenots, Puritans, Catholics, Calvinists, Anglicans, and Jews. Now here's where we get back to Delaware, though. William Penn wanted access to the ocean because it was important for trading and travel. So he leased the rights to the land of Delaware. See, I told you we'd get back. And he became governor of both colonies. And he was the governor of both of them until each became their own state after the American Revolution. Okay, now that we've given you the basics on how Maryland, Delaware, and Pennsylvania came to be, let's get to Brady's questions. This week, joining us is Ed Morrissey, and I'm so excited to have him because he is an expert, among other things, on both freedom and religion, so I thought he'd be perfect for religious freedom. Hi, Ed. How are you? I am great, Amelia. Thank thank you for having me on. Sure. I'm so excited. Um, So I guess we'll just jump right in with Brady's first question. What were the primary religions practiced by colonists in America? You know, it's, it's a great question because a lot of times people think that it was just the Puritan uh, version of uh, the Anglican Church that was practiced in the colonies. And that was primarily true in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was actually a number of uh, uh, religions that were eventually established in the colonies, um, uh, the Anglicans themselves, uh, the 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 uh, Puritans, who were a form of the Anglican religion that was looking to purge Catholicism completely out of the Church of England, right. uh, Congregationalists, Unitarians, Presbyterians, Baptists, Quakers, Catholics. There were there were Jews that came over, and this is yeah. I, I'm looking at the at the longer period between when the colonies were established and about the time of the Revolution. Sure. Uh, and so, <clears throat> the early days. You are probably looking mostly in the in, in the northern colonies. Probably looking mostly at Puritans and Anglicans, uh, Unitarians, which sort of uh, became, uh, which sort of the the end result of um, Puritanism. The early Unitarians were, and so there was. By the time of the Revolution, uh, America was a, a fairly religiously diverse group, but not all religions were treated equally, and not all of them really had uh, the freedom to. Uh, practiced their religion fully in public. Um, right. It was it was a it was a very different sort of uh, situation which confronted the uh, framers of the Constitution, which is the reason why religious liberty and uh, the freedom of religious expression uh, became such a um, debating point during the drafting of the Constitution. Yeah, absolutely, and that you know that's why it was in the very first amendment. Right. It's it, why it's in the very First Amendment, and it was the matter of some debate as to whether or not they were going to talk about tolerance in that um, First Amendment or whether they were going to talk about freedom of religious expression. Oh. And 
Jefferson preferred the stronger term of freedom of religious expression in order to make sure that uh, the government didn't Im- uh, impede that, um, especially by uh, uh, making sure that governments weren't allowed to uh, create laws which penalized um religious belief and those laws did exist during the time uh, during the time of the colonies uh, the state of virginia i believe had anti-catholic laws you had to mm-hmm. uh, in order to hold public office you had to believe in the uh superiority of scripture which was you know a, a sola scriptura uh yeah. defense that was built right into the law and that was one of the that was one of the issues that jefferson objected to yeah and that kind of goes into brady's second question which colony had the most religious freedom <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I would say that uh, probably the popular answer to that would be Rhode Island, because Rhode Island was where uh, Roger Williams was exiled to when he when he was preaching tolerance to the Puritans in, right. in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And so Rhode Island was founded on the idea of the of, of religious tolerance, and mm-hmm. so um, uh, that would be uh, that would probably be my first go to. Um, my first go-to answer on there, I think Pennsylvania was considered to be a a very equitable uh, place uh, for tolerance of different religious expressions. And I think in some part, too, it depends on which religions you're talking about, right? I right. mean, I, and the reason why Pennsylvania comes up is because a lot of Quakers settled in Pennsylvania, and they had a tradition of religious tolerance, in part because Quakers were um, so discriminated against themselves, Right. As were the Puritans in England, which is the reason why they came over to the colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, they just didn't necessarily offer other people the same liberty that they sought for themselves. They saw their colony as a Puritan colony, and so therefore they didn't see the need for tolerance because they were there establishing that colony in order to practice the religion that they wanted, that particular community wanted. Um, but other colonies were more open to that, Rhode Island again being uh, mm-hmm. First, but um, but Pennsylvania would certainly be part of that with its uh, Quaker tradition of uh, tolerance. Yeah, and there was a lot of that. You know, Maryland was sort of a place for Catholics to go, and different colonies. You know, they were people came here for religious freedom, and then they set up their own colonies to sort of be segregated amongst themselves. Right. I mean, it's a sort of a self-selection process when mm-hmm. you think about it. You, like you said, Catholics would come to Maryland because there was more um, there was more freedom for them to uh, have um, religi- their own religious expression in Maryland than there was, say, in Virginia or that there was in uh, in Massachusetts. Right. Uh, so there was a sort of self-selection process going on there as well. And so if you took a look at the colonies as a whole uh, prior to the revolution. You could find places to go where you would fit in, and you would not have, you would not be oppressed too much in in the uh, expression of your religion. But that doesn't mean that every single colony was equal to the others right. in that regard. Right, not a lot of mixing amongst them, amongst each other. Right, I mean it is sort of you know a freedom of assembly thing too. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the question was how much government should uh, take a role in determining what type of religious expression was allowed. And clearly, the drafters of the Constitution wanted to make it clear that government didn't have a role yeah. in, in dictating that. And that's 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 all these experiences in the different colonies led people to that, led the, led the framers of the Constitution to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of goes into his third question. Why did people have to come to the colonies for religious freedom? 
It's you know it's a great question. I think one of the reasons why why Brady uh, asks it, other than the fact that it's a great question, mm-hmm. is the fact that religious freedom and tolerance has really uh, succeeded in as a as a principle in the West. I, and it, I, I wouldn't say that it started in the United States, but it certainly found its first full expression in the United States. Mm-hmm. And the success of that uh, experiment, the success of having tolerance for all sorts of different religious beliefs and, uh, and, and allowing people to worship as they saw fit, uh, the success of that is what has informed um, Western thinking ever since. But at the time, the religions were really a matter of state policy. And yes. that was very true in, in uh, Great Britain. It was called Great Britain at the time. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, England, um, the, now we call it the United Kingdom, of course. And, and I think that we have to we have to take that in context too, because it was, you know, really the freedom of religious expression with no um, with no control from the state was a radically new concept when when the Constitution was written. Yeah. And England had gone through a series of civil wars that were that were largely well that were in part um, tied to which religious expression would be allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry VIII uh, famously broke with um, the Catholic Church and established the Anglican Church, but Henry VIII was not a Lutheran. In fact, he despised Martin Luther mm-hmm. and and wanted basically to have a Catholic Church without right. But he wanted without, to be in charge. Yeah, he basically wanted to be both Pope and King, and there's reasons for that too. I, um, it's yeah. these are very complicated reasons, and and I think it's it's important to focus on the. Uh, the the nuances of this, the complications of this, Henry VIII was the second uh, monarch in a very short um, in a very short uh, monarchical house, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. They, he was the Tudors. Um, yes. His father had gotten the, had become king by uh, on on the battlefield by mm-hmm. defeating the previous king, Richard III, and um, and literally taking the crown off of his dead head on the battlefield. Yes. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's a fascinating story. And so Henry VIII was concerned about uh, having a, uh, a, a, a smooth transition mm-hmm. to, to, to uh, the next monarch. Right. You know, from the house of Tudor and he didn't have a son. And at the time there was very strong, opinion in England that uh, passing it to a passing it to a female as a as a queen regnant as it was called right. would be a disaster um, there had been one in the past in the English monarchy and that turned out to be a disaster and Henry VIII uh, was absolutely sure that it wouldn't work out and he was desperate to have a son mm-hmm. which he eventually did with um, um, Jane Seymour yes. his third wife mm-hmm. uh, Edward the sixth I believe it was I and so. he did and he did not um, last long on the throne because he was, he was he, he sickly, got sick. Yeah. Well, he was a strong boy, but when he took the throne, he he, he got sick and he mm-hmm. died. And so then it, it did pass to his first daughter, who, uh, Mary, who was Catholic. And when Mary became um, when Mary became queen, she purged the Protestants, yeah. and, and 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 did so in a very bloody manner. She's called Bloody Mary for a reason. Yeah. And then when Elizabeth and when Mary died. Um, and Mary died fairly young. Yeah, and uh, with no children. Left no children. Uh, then, um, then uh, Queen Elizabeth took took um, 
the throne and did the exact opposite and tossed out the Catholics right. and, 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 and stuck with the Protestants and actually aligned the, clo- the church closer, a little closer to the Lutherans and, and, the, and the broader Protestant movement. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to um, the, uh, the end of the 16th century, beginning of the 17th century, you know, right around uh, 1602, I think she passes away. And that's right before the colonization starts. Right. And um, she passes the throne to James I, who is a very Protestant king of Scotland, mm-hmm. who is James VI of Scotland. Right. And who is Mary's son? <laughs> who is Mary's? Uh, Mary, yeah. Um, uh, it's all yes. very confusing. <laughs> it's all very confusing. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, you, you try to diagram out the British royal family during this period of time. And yeah, it's, it's uh, very difficult. Nightmare. It's a it's a nightmare. And um, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, by the way, not not uh, yes. Blood Mary. Yes, sorry. and and so. By the time you get around to this, they've had religious battles going on for almost a century at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And the monarchy, the monarchs, I should say, have become very um, have become very concerned about making sure that there is one church and one practice of that church. Um, and anything else is considered a challenge to their monarchical authority. Mm -hmm. So along come the Puritans who thought that the, that the, uh, Anglican Church, the Church of England, was too Catholic, and wanted to strip it of all of its all all connections uh, to Catholicism, right down to I believe uh, the Trinity, <laughs> and um, and and return it to a, a very bare bones version of sola scriptura, mm-hmm. uh, which um, is, that's also a complicated concept. I don't yes. wanna, I don't have to right. <laughs> want to get, get into that, but uh, basically, it was a radical church, and and. It was radical enough to get the attention of the monarchy, which tried to suppress it. And so the, the, the reason why that sect came to the U.S., came to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, was to establish themselves someplace where the monarchy would leave them alone, where they could mm-hmm. practice the religion that they wanted to practice, and the monarchy would leave them alone. And that's, that's how a number of these groups end up coming across. The Quakers were the same way. The Quakers were an oppressed group. They came to the United States because they thought they could practice their religion more openly. Catholics were Catholics were an oppressed group in not just um, England, but in other uh, European countries as well. Mm-hmm. So they were coming over to the United States because they thought that they could practice their faith a little bit more freely in the British colonies. They're far away enough from the monarch to where it wasn't a threat to the monarch's power. Sure. And for a long time, the British, the, I mean, right, even up to the revolution, the British never really tried to impose a, a single church on the colonies. It's um, actually kind of remarkable when you think about it. it. They, they pretty much let the colonies manage that for themselves. And um, because, again, religious um, plurality didn't really represent a threat to the monarchy because it was so far away that um, it wasn't going to foment that kind of rebellion instead it fomented an entirely different kind of rebellion. <laughs> right. Goodness. Well, you know, can I just okay. say, Brady, yeah. you are a, you are a, a, a really uh, deep thinker. Uh, for, these are great questions to ask. There are, you can, you can do years of study on all three of these questions. And, and I hope that if nothing else, I've given you an appetite to dig further and find out more about these topics because it's, it really is fascinating. And the only other piece of advice I would give you is when you go back and look at these things, try to remember the context in which they took place because yes. values have changed. 
you know, we, we think that we're, we're, we progress, and, and I think in a, lot, in a lot of ways we have, uh, but try to remember what the historical context of this was and the fact that even, even the monarchs that were trying to impose a single vision of religion within their realms had reasons to do so. It wasn't the right thing to do. But there were rational reasons for them to do this, and that, um, and and that while they were wrong, it it wasn't necessarily just because they were um, that they hated other people. There, mm-hmm. all of these things have a lot of different layers to them, and peeling back those layers is actually one of the most fun aspects of, of studying history. And what I'm hoping that you do is you find some great. Um, uh, great resources in history that really tell stories about this, that really unfold this as a a fun story, not just some uh, a series of rote um, happenstances that took place. And I, if if you continue asking these questions and and questioning um, why things are the way they are, I think you're going to have uh, a marvelous intellect, and you're going to be an absolute uh, blessing for the world. <laughs> he is absolutely that. Well, Ed, thank you so much for joining me today. This was great. I, I am. It's a pleasure. I'm happy to do it anytime, Amelia. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye, Ed. Bye-bye. And Brady, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Thank you. It was nice being here. This was so much fun. We had three new colonies, religious freedom, we even had some English history and a battle thrown in. So we're up to seven colonies now, you guys. That's more than halfway to being introduced to all of them. We've got Virginia, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Maryland, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. Next time, we're going to check out three more and find out what they have in common. But first, let's go back and talk about what we did today. Maryland. It was named after Queen Henrietta Maria. It was created as a safe place for Catholics and became profitable by growing tobacco. Delaware also grew tobacco, and it was named after Thomas Delaware, who we met in the Jamestown episode. Pennsylvania was created as a safe place for the Quakers, and it was named for Thomas Penn's father. The name means Penn's Woods. Penn didn't name it himself, though. The name was given to the colony by King Charles II, and that king gave the colony to William Penn to pay off a debt he owed to Penn's father. And a few years after Penn got there, he became governor of both Pennsylvania and Delaware. Even though it was created as a safe place for Quakers, it got a reputation for religious freedom, and after a while, it wasn't just Quakers. It had Huguenots, Puritans, Catholics, Calvinists, Anglicans, and Jews, too. By the time of the American Revolution, there were all kinds of religions in the American colonies. There were Puritans, Anglicans, Unitarians, Baptists, Quakers, Congregationalists, Presbyterians, Catholics, Anglicans, Jews. There was a little bit of everybody, but not everyone was treated equally. And that was why it was so important for the framers of our Constitution to protect the right to religious expression. And while there were all kinds of religions represented in America, not every religion was in every colony. Rhode Island maybe had the most religious freedom, and you might remember we talked about that last week. Pennsylvania, like we mentioned, also had a lot of religious freedom. 
the American colonies were maybe the first place that religious freedom was successful. Before that, the government really decided what religion everybody would follow. As you probably figured out from this episode, at this point in time, you really can't separate British history and American history. When something happens in Britain, it really has an impact on what's happening in America. And like Ed pointed out, that when you study history, it's important not to look at any one thing all by itself. You have to remember what else is going on at the same time, too. That's called context. And it is so important. So keep that in mind, not just this week, but for every episode and every time you study history. Or even just learn about the news. And that's it for this week. Remember to visit growingpatriots.com for coloring pages, videos, and more resources. You can also learn about me there and find out about the Growing Patriots books. I'm at Growing Patriots on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't forget to stop by iTunes where you can subscribe to the podcast and rate it. And if you have a friend that you think would like the Growing Patriots podcast, share it with them as well. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. America, land of the free, America, land of the free.